you are Locked On NFL, your daily NFL podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. You are Locked On NFL, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm Peter Bukowski, and I cover the Packers for SB Nation and Packer Report. I cover the NFL around the internet. You can follow me on Twitter at Peter underscore Bukowski. You can follow the podcast network at Locked On NFL Pods. Of course, you can catch me every day on the Locked On Packers podcast. And we are here on our Monday show to give you the biggest stories from our local experts from around the Locked On Podcast Network. And today's episode is brought to you by Pepsi. Thanks to a lack of natural athleticism or commitment or overbearing sports parents, fewer than 1% of 1% of 1% will ever play professional football. But instead of entering the NFL, they've joined another league, the League of Football Watchers. Pepsi isn't made for those who play the game. It's made for those who watch it. Pepsi made for football watching. Week 15 shook out a lot of things around the NFL, including and especially the NFC playoff race, because just about every contender in the conference struggled for at least a stretch of their game. There seemed to be some sort of curse on these teams that forced them to struggle for a half. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers had to come back from a 17-0 deficit to beat the Falcons 31-27. The Los Angeles Rams fell to the New York Jets 23-20 to in a game that we will talk about a little bit later. On Saturday, the Packers jumped out to a 21-3 lead on the Carolina Panthers. They eventually hold off a late charge from Teddy Bridgewater and Carolina 24-16. Also on Saturday, the Bills dispatch of the Broncos 48-19 in a game that showed Buffalo may be the best team in the AFC to challenge the Kansas City Chiefs on Sunday night the Browns got to 10 wins 10 wins for the Cleveland Browns and Kevin Stefanski polishes his resume for a potential coach of the year candidacy they beat the Giants 20 to 6 and Jalen Hurts a valiant effort in a start against the Arizona Cardinals but the Cardinals prevail 33 to 26 Seattle also takes care of Washington 20 to 15 in a game where the Seahawks did not look particularly good. And frankly, they have not looked like the team that we saw the first half of the year, really over the last month of the season. The game of week 15 is also predictably the biggest story of week 15. The Kansas City Chiefs took care of the New Orleans Saints on Sunday and it was billed as the game of the year. We didn't quite get the game of the year. In fact, it might not even have been the most exciting game in the late window, but Kansas City ends up getting the 32-29 win in New Orleans. Chris Clark from Locked on Chiefs joins us now. And and Chris, we were talking off air about this Chiefs team. They seem like by far the best team. They seem like we need to have this conversation about who can beat this team, and yet they don't have the same sort of feel as you know some of the quote-unquote unbeatable teams we've seen of the last few years. But so I'll put the question to you. Who can stick with this Chiefs team? You know, honestly, I think that the Green Bay Packers could be a good team that uh, would give this Kansas City team a run for its money. Although I will say... The New Orleans Saints really gave them just about everything they could handle today. Yeah. Uh, the one thing I will say on that, and people need to take into consideration, is Kansas City's down to their fourth string right tackle, I believe. 
mm-hmm. and there's third or fourth string left guard and right guard. Uh, so at this point, and it showed up on the field. I mean, the Saints right. got after Mahomes pretty regularly. Well, and they have a fantastic defensive line. So I, I don't want to take anything away from the Saints at all. Their defensive line is fantastic, and Eric Fisher probably shouldn't have played uh, with a back injury, but he toughed it out and he struggled today. But if he's not playing, then you're down to you know your third or fourth string left tackle, and that's even a worse situation to be in. So you know. I think it's they played as well as you could probably be expecting them to play with all the injuries on the offensive line. So moving forward here, I mean, you look around the AFC and let's start there. Uh, I think the Bills are certainly a team that could be dangerous against this Chiefs team. Beyond that, I mean, I don't know, Cleveland, Pittsburgh, Baltimore, uh, Tennessee. There are a lot of flawed teams out there, but at the same token, we saw last year the Tennessee Titans go into Baltimore and, and get a win against a team that looked like, you know, it, it was probably the best team in the league. If if things fall apart in the playoffs, let's say, who is the kind of team that could do it? And is there a team in the conference that you think could at least, you know, follow the blueprint, let's say? I think that the Tennessee Titans have the ability to do it. I also think that it's possible that the Bills could do it. Uh, I just personally don't see the Pittsburgh Steelers doing it. I, I think they have too many flaws. I think that they've played a little bit of an easier schedule than a lot of people want to talk about. I think yep. the Cleveland Browns have an opportunity to possibly be a team that could give Kansas City trouble, but I'm not sold that the Cleveland Browns have enough weapons, although Baker Mayfield is playing fantastic right now, so that would be a fantastic game to see. And, 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 you know, this is a, a Chiefs team that this season, and we've talked about it on this show, whether it was, it's been, you know, you or Ryan that have come on, it seems like the Chiefs' biggest enemy, and this is something I talk about on Locked on Packers all the time, the Chiefs' biggest enemy is themselves. The yeah. only team that seems to be able to slow this team down is the Chiefs when they make mistakes. I mean, we saw the the punt return fumble that was almost <laughs> catastrophic. I just, I mean, I can't it's... Some of this stuff is, I mean, it is comical, but like, you know, they, they'll, they'll, they almost get bored. It seems like they're just so good on offense that they seem to get bored at times. I mean, what do you, what do you think of that idea? Cause it does seem like if someone's going to beat them, I don't know that they're going to necessarily outplay them. It's going to be the chiefs. They make a mistake here. They make a mistake they there. And all of a sudden, you know, their defense or whatever it is, can't make up for those, those lapses. And I do think that that's a definite possibility. I think the bigger thing, though, that you're looking at is the inner situation right now where Kansas City is just throwing wrinkle after wrinkle after wrinkle in goal line situations at, at defenses to be able to defend. And today they had a wrinkle where four were lined up to the right. Kelsey was the deep guy. And Mahomes basically just pitched it to him. It was yeah. a little bit more than an underhand pitch. But, uh, you know, it was one of those plays where you're just sitting there going – no other team in the league would do that. I mean, don't get me wrong. Teams can do that. They just don't. And Kansas City has so many different wrinkles to so many different things. And then on a two-point conversion later in the game, Kelsey does his little under route that he's scored touchdowns on at different times throughout this season and in seasons past. I think the thing that you're looking at right now, and I think the thing that makes me even more excited watching this team is that you see that Andy Reid actually trusts Mahomes. And it's a full of trust because – you're not going to find many NFL coaches that are going to have their QBs throw the ball when they're up and trying to run the clock at the very end of the game. And Mahomes has done that multiple times in the past couple of weeks, and it's caused Kansas City to win games. 
I wonder if we circle back to this idea of matchups coming into the week. Um, the Chiefs were 30th in rush defense TVOA. It was something that I thought we'd see the Saints attack a little bit more with Alvin Kamara and Latavius Murray. You know, in a matchup with the Titans or the Ravens, are you at all concerned that this run defense that could control the clock, you know, all of a sudden it's an eight possession game and, you know, the Titans or the Ravens have the ball for 35 minutes, that that could be a way this team falls? Or is it is it the case that, look, the Chiefs are going to put up 40, so who cares? You know, I do think that, that it's a possibility that you'll see some teams try to run the ball in Kansas City. And if they're effective running the ball, that, that you know, obviously takes away ch- the Kansas City chances. But I think what you're seeing with the Chiefs offense is that they are so dynamic. They can run the ball up and down the field unless you have a defense that can get after you with four, which there are not many NFL defenses this year that actually have the ability to get after the passer with only four and drop seven into coverage. Mahomes is going to find a way to beat you. And I mean, there were obscene yep. throws today that, and I'm not saying he's not, he's the only quarterback in the NFL that would, that could make them, but there was one to Watkins where he just zigzagged back in the pocket for, it seemed like eight, nine seconds. Oh, and dirty, he, filthy, foul, disgusting, exactly. ridiculous. And how do you defend that? Because you're a DB and you're sticking with your guy for the first four or five seconds. And you're like, okay, well the ball's got to be gone. I need to be looking back and running back to the huddle. Mahomes is still running around in the pocket or running around outside the pocket and throws what, yeah. a 25 yard pass to Watkins for a first down and just moves the sticks and it's on like, the run off one leg. I mean, it's yeah. the kind of thing where you, you do everything right as a defense, right? You create pressure. They had the, the Saints had pressure inside and on the edge yeah. and still couldn't contain Mahomes. That's what makes him so special. Cool. I mean, as someone who uh, lived through the vintage Rogers era where he would do stuff like that, too. I mean, th- those are the only two guys. I can remember that could make those kinds of plays. Um, and and frankly, it's it's the big reason why I, I want a, a Super Bowl one rematch, eh, among other reasons. Let's that be would, honest about it. That, that would um, be a lot of fun. But I will say this. That play was great by Mahomes, but his touchdown later to McCole Hardman isn't going to be talked about very often. Or unbelievable very much throw. Because it was a very short pass. But the level of difficulty on that throw, and then not only that throw, but later in the game – with the clock running and needing to just burn the clock out, he lofts the ball to Travis Kelsey on a touch pass that hits Kelsey right in stride and allows Kelsey to run for 15 yards and a first down and basically ices the game at that point. His ability to yep. do touch passes on top of the cannon that he has for an arm are just its phenomenal. He can do things that you, if other quarterbacks do it, you would say, please never do that again. Exactly. And yet, Absolutely. and yet he can do it and make it consistent. And he's, I mean, he's the biggest reason, you know, why, why they're the favorites. And, and by the way, it's not a coincidence that the two front runners for MVP uh, probably have the two best teams in football right now. Chris, I appreciate it. Thanks, Peter. Before we move on, today's episode is brought to you by 10. 10. 1010 is an exclusive collection of 10 one-of-a-kind engagement rings designed by 10 of the most distinctive designers working today. Using only diamonds responsibly sourced from Botswana, 10 design masters have each produced a uniquely beautiful commitment ring launching exclusively on January 18th at BlueNile.com. And when they're gone, they're gone. 
we all know that the diamond engagement ring is iconic. It's timeless, a timeless expression of the deepest commitment between two people. And with 1010, it's been beautifully re-envisioned in the hands of 10 modern designers working exclusively with sustainably sourced diamonds. If you're making 2021 plans or looking for a unique and meaningful way to celebrate Valentine's Day, you're definitely going to want to check it out. Again, this exciting limited edition collection of diamond engagement rings launches on January 18th and you can preview it exclusively at bluenile.com. Coming up tomorrow on Locked on Packers, Luke Braun and Ross Jackson recap Steelers Bengals and wrap up the week 15 slate. Don't miss any of the Locked On NFL action, make sure you subscribe to Locked On NFL. We are here every day because that's what we do on the Locked On Podcast Network. We are your team every day. It's hard to remember a time in recent history where a team lost more for winning. The New York Jets are no longer the number one pick holder in the NFL draft coming up. They beat the LA Rams 23 to 20 on Sunday. John Butchko from Locked On Jets joining me now. And John, it is kind of hard to overstate how much this means given the quality of, of a player like Trevor Lawrence. What does this mean for this organization, this franchise moving forward? Well, Peter, I think the way I would put it is this may have been the most heartbreaking win in NFL history. <laughs> if you are following the reaction of the Jets fan base, people are very upset. And look, I think the reasons for that are obvious. Winning this game, it help, it helps prevent you from going down in infamy as the third team to go 0-16 on the season. But at the end of the day, what's really the difference between being remembered as a 1-15 team or an 0-16 team? This may cost the Jets Trevor Lawrence. In fact, if you if you followed the game, I mean, there are lots of different plays you could look at, but in the fourth quarter, Braden Mann, the Jets punter, made a touchdown-saving tackle on a punch return that would have given the, Jet, the, the Rams the lead in this game. And it's amazing to think that a tackle by a punter may have altered the course of the next 15 to 20 years of history for the New York Jets franchise. You know, you look at Trevor Lawrence, this is not, just any quarterback prospect. This is not Joe Burrow last year. This is not Sam Darnold a couple of years back with, when the Jets picked him. This is not, you know, Mahomes. This is a guy who for years has been viewed as a great future quarterback in this league. You know, every year quarterbacks come out and some are very good, some are not very good. There's always some degree of there's always a degree uh, of uncertainty about most quarterback prospects, though. But for three years, we've been hearing that Trevor Lawrence is going to be the next great quarterback in the NFL. So, does this mean that the Jets are finished as a franchise? No. This is a f- team that's going to have two first-round picks in the, the next two drafts. They have an extra third-round pick this year. They have a lot of money heading into free agency. And... It's not necessarily the case that Trevor Lawrence is going to be the only good quarterback to come from the 2021 draft class. There are still other prospects who could be there for the Jets at two. But you look at the situation with the Jets right now, I don't think there's any question this coaching job is an easier sell to candidates if you have Trevor Lawrence in hand. I don't think it's, there's any question that it's going to be easier to get free agents to come to New York if knowing that they're going to be joining up with Trevor Lawrence. Now, look, it's still one of 32 jobs in the NFL. Still the pinnacle of the profession. 
all the things I mentioned about about the draft picks and the cap space are true. There, there are still some things that are going to be attractive to potential coaching candidates, and the money is going to be money for free agents. But knowing what we know now, uh, yeah, I, I think that this is a win that puts the Jets in a worse situation long term than they were before the game. Right. There's a difference between winning this game and say what the Dolphins did last year when when they inexplicably started winning games at the end of the year and it takes them out of the running for the number one pick. And they still end up getting their quarterback because someone like Joe Burrow pops and, and the draft fell the way that they did. This is a team that was the worst in the league or the or the second worst all year. Uh, they they are built to have this generational player come in and essentially save their franchise. And and now that looks like it is likely not going to happen. Now, they're not done. There's still two games left and the Jaguars could just as easily inexplicably win one of those. But you mentioned the coaching search. How does this change, do you think, the hierarchy of these jobs? Because it seems like, you know, the the Jets with the number one pick, you have the market, you have an AFC East that looks like it's, it could be open here, depending on what happens with the Bills moving forward. The Patriots are kind of a mess. So where how has this affected the way that, that you think coaching candidates will view this job without Trevor Lawrence? Well, one thing I want to make clear again is this is one of 32 right. jobs. Yep. And you, you, you'll you always get somebody. And there's going to be the opportunity to hire somebody who's very good. And I think a lot of this stuff people speculate on, and it's really subjective. You know, the market. I mean, some coaches may be drawn to the big market. Others may want to stay away from the pressure. So, there are lots of things that, you know, depending on your personal preferences, could be good or could be bad. So, the things that I look at are what are the universals coaches tend to look for? And I think, you know, the first thing that comes to mind is ownership. That's the guy you're working for. You know, does your owner know how to put the pieces in place that will cultivate a successful winning franchise? And for the Jets, that's a pretty clear no. Jets have bad ownership. I don't think anybody would question that. And the second thing that's obvious is, do you have a quarterback in place? And this was the big selling point. You know, this would have been the big selling point is that you would have had Trevor Lawrence. And now it's an open question. Now, you know, maybe there's a coach out there that really loves Justin Fields or, you know, one of the other prospects. So you can't rule out the fact that, you know, some coach may may view things that way. But I think it I think it hurts things. Now I think if you were looking at what's the best job pretty clearly the chargers of, of yep. the jobs were expecting to come open because you have Justin Herbert there and you know that goes back to the quarterback situation after that heading into today because you have Trevor Lawrence I, you you could argue Houston with Deshaun Watson but everything else in Houston's a mess right now you know you could argue though having the quarterback in Houston put, puts that job number 2 but after that i mean having Trevor Lawrence whoever whether it's the jets or the jaguars that's probably the next best job because you've you know that you're going to have the quarterback in place. As recently as just a few weeks ago, we were writing Chicago Bears obituaries, maybe even obituaries for Matt Nagy, for Ryan Pace and Mitch Trubisky. But now with two wins in a row, the Bears come off this Sunday game against the Minnesota Vikings, a 33-27 win. Lauren Cox joins me now from Locked on Bears to talk about a Chicago team that is right back in the playoff mix, Lauren. This is truly incredible for a team that... 
you know, just a couple weeks ago, we had fully left for dead, or at least I think most people had. Yeah, even the city of Chicago had turned on the general manager, the head coach, and the quarterback. And now we're back to this point of like, I guess, cautious optimism. Right. It's almost, we still need to see more to believe it. I mean, it seems like they've turned some sort of a corner and had a lot of success, albeit against some of the NFL's worst defenses in the previous two games, Lions and Texans. But the Vikings were a real test against a real playoff contending opponent with real talent on both sides of the ball. And Mitch Trubisky passed another test, albeit with some bumps along the way. Matt Nagy, the coaching staff, passed another test. And randomly, their defense seemed to be the bigger issue down the stretch in that game. And they still held on with a strong offensive performance. Yeah. After going back to Mitch Trubisky, I mean, they scored 33 this week, 36 last week, 30 against the Lions and 25, albeit 15 of those in the fourth quarter where they were already down big. Mitch Trubisky is the big question mark for this team moving forward. It seemed like once the the Bears went to Nick Foles, that was it. And yet this offense all season, really going back to the early parts of the season, has looked better with Mitch Trubisky. So what do we make of that? Well, it seems like now they've done a better job of conforming the offense to Trubisky and trying to adapt everything around him, where in the past it seemed like they were trying to get him to fit into what they wanted to do. That finally we're seeing rollouts on what feels like the majority of their passing plays. It was kind of previously just sprinkled in here and there, but a lot of moving pockets, a lot of quick, easy decisions for Trubisky. But what we started to see against the Vikings was him take it a step farther in terms of being more aggressive, attacking downfield on some of his progressions. You know, a lot of those rollouts, he would just throw the easy check down to the easiest, shortest receiver. But against the Vikings, you know, we'd see him hit that second or third receiver deeper downfield. It's still sort of a half field read. It's still an easier progression for Trubisky to go through, but he's confident he He's working his athleticism in there, scrambling. The Bears running game is working better. The offensive line is playing better, and it's all coming together at the perfect time. Is it, though? I think that is something that we have to wonder here because the long-term plan here has to be something that we factor in, right? I mean, is is Matt Nagy the coach? Is Mitch Trubisky the quarterback? By the way, they declined his option. They're going to have to actually pay him to be the quarterback if they want him to be the quarterback in 2021. So what is the best outcome for this team long term? There's, they went all in on 2020 this offseason. It, it was all about trying to win this season in part to save some jobs. And Nagy's, I mean, from Nagy and Ryan Pace's perspective, their best thing is to win and make the playoffs this season and figure it out later with Trubisky because Foles is still under contract for a couple of seasons. You have the franchise tag, dare I say, but it doesn't feel like Trubisky has necessarily Oof. played that well. Do you, do you give them these final four or five games of playing well to overcome the previous three and a half years of struggling? I mean, it does feel like there has been progress, but I don't know that we'll see a really strong defense for him to be tested against unless they make the playoffs and play an opponent there. Because even Green Bay in Week 17 might have their playoff spot locked up and not be trying completely 100% to stop the Bears in that matchup. So it's it's working really well for him and for the team right now, but some real long-term question marks here and feels like they're playing their way towards everybody getting one more year to run it back. I'll ask again, is that the best thing long-term for this team, Lauren? <laughs> you know, whether they make or miss the playoffs this season, I think the offseason 
has the same goals in terms of finding a long-term answer at quarterback and fixing a lot of the problems on this offense. So I don't think it should. I don't think the outcome of these final three games should change what is and isn't best for this team and what this team still needs to do. But I think it is an opportunity for Nagy and Ryan Pace to save their jobs. And if they truly do turn a corner, if they have learned something, I think that could be what's best for this organization. But it, it still feels like bigger change is necessary if you want to have the best possible path toward long-term success. No coach or GM is thinking about how many games they have to lose or win. At least it's trying to save their jobs and thinking about their draft status. But it does seem like from a long-term perspective, at least to me, that that would make some sense. You got to lose enough games to be in that position. And now they're going to win enough games that it could both save their jobs, save Trubisky and set back the development of this team. On the other hand, Culture matters too, right? And and winning is, I guess, in my opinion, never a bad thing either. So I, I'm of two minds of this, uh, and, and I totally see where you're coming from. I think you're you're right on there, and uh, I appreciate your insight. Hey, anytime, Peter. Happy to come on. Before we finish up, let's talk about our friends at Bet Online. Are you ready for some? Football, famous words, college football heads into bowl season, and there are some big matchups this weekend, week 16. NFL regular season is finishing up with the playoff picture becoming just a little bit clearer, and there's only one place that has you covered and one place that we trust. That's betonline.ag. Sign up today for a free account at betonline.ag and use the promo code locked on for a 50% welcome bonus. Don't sit on the sidelines anymore. Get in on the action and don't forget to use that promo code locked on to get 50% off as a welcome bonus with your first deposit. That makes it easy. If you have any hesitations, any reservations, you just want to dip your toe in a little bit. The bonus makes it easy. They're giving you money just for signing up with the promo code locked on. Bet online, your online sportsbook experts. The wait is almost over. The 2020-2021 NBA season is almost here and Locked On NBA podcast will get you ready with a special week of shows beginning December 14th. Get previews of every team, division by division, from all 30 of our Locked On local experts, plus waiver wire editions from Locked On Fantasy Basketball, rookies to watch from Chad Ford, and projections on each division from rejecting the screen. Subscribe to Locked On NBA wherever you get podcasts. In some ways, it was the week of a few weeks ago they were written off, and now they are very much in the mix, much like the Chicago Bears, for example. The Dallas Cowboys got a huge win on Sunday, beating the San Francisco 49ers 41-33 in a little bit of a thriller and are now just one game back in the NFC East. Joining me now from Locked on Cowboys, Marcus Mosher and Marcus what has changed for this Dallas team? If anything, it's not like they're, you know, they're all of a sudden on some eight game win streak, but they have won two games in a row. And with Andy Dalton under center, you know, they're, they've had some stability here. So what do you make of where this team is right now? Well, it's awfully nice to to play what, Ryan Finley, Brandon Allen and Nick Mullins over the last two weeks. I mean, that'll, sure. that'll certainly help <laughs> just about anything. But even in those games, the Cowboys were giving up points. So, uh, I mean, they're still not a good team. They're still incredibly banged up. Uh, but they have been a little bit better on offense over the last couple of weeks, and uh, they're taking care of business. So you have to at least give them a little bit of credit. And we are in a position now where entering Week 17, 
the Cowboys could be playing for a playoff spot if Washington loses to the Panthers. Is that a good thing for the Cowboys? Is that something they should want to do? I mean, no, probably not. But I mean, is it, <laughs> is it the worst thing in the world for them to have some more meaningful games over the next two weeks of the season? I don't think so. So, I mean, listen, I, the Cowboys, we kind of know what they are. They're, they're a team that's waiting for Dak Prescott to come back healthy next year. Uh, but to build some momentum going into the 2021 season, maybe the offense playing a little bit better without their franchise quarterback, uh, it's always nice to see. Well, and if it is the case, as ownership has said, that Mike McCarthy is coming back in 2021, then getting some some continuity here, getting some rhythm and, and inspiring a little bit of confidence from your players in your coach could go a long way in building what the Cowboys hope to be a more successful program moving forward. Yeah, absolutely. And that's what Mike McCarthy has been talking about this whole time, building momentum going into 2021, playing better football. Uh, I I think McCarthy doesn't want to build a culture of losing. He wants them to go out there and compete every game. Uh, Now, they've been pretty handicapped by the roster in a lot of ways this season. But over the last month of the season, month and a half of the season, they have played some better football. Uh, up next is the Philadelphia Eagles in Week 16. I'm sure the Cowboys would love to get a win there. Uh, we shall see if they're able to continue building this positive momentum and get to a three-game winning streak, Peter. I know things are <laughs> things are weird in Dallas, but a three-game winning streak would be kind of nice. Yeah, uh, well, it is 2020, so that is just how things work. I, I, I want to ask you this. Because I look at this team and and the offense, we know the offensive talent is superb. If you look at the the pre-injury numbers with Dak, I mean, they lose to a, a Rams team that it turns out is really good. They score 40 against the Falcons, 31 against the Seahawks, and 38 against the Browns, and then 30, 37 against the Giants. This is a team with, with plenty of talent. Let's say Andy Dalton is able to start from as soon as Pre- Prescott goes out. Are they already winning the NFC East? Probably. They had some really bad games there early in the season where, uh, you know, the Cardinal game just didn't play that well. He gets hurt in the Washington game. They played the Eagles with uh, Ben DiNucci, and they were in that game. They had a chance to win that game with under three minutes left, uh, and then Ben DiNucci just played absolutely terrible. Uh, they played Garrett Gilbert against Pittsburgh earlier in the season, and that came down to the final play. Uh, and that, they almost stole that game. So, yeah, I think if Andy Dal- Dalton is healthy for this whole year and he's playing confident, they probably are at six, seven wins already. And they're probably atop of the NFC East, despite how bad they've been this year. So we know that that the NFC East team, or at least we assume the NFC East team, whoever it is that gets in, is not going to make a big no. splash in the playoffs. Though, look, you know, this is a this is a, a crazy league and and we've seen strange things like that before. But let's just push ahead for a second into the offseason here for the Cowboys. I assume you're going to say defense, but if if they're going to be focusing on one thing, one player, one position to get back to where they were at the beginning of, let's say, August, when it looked like they were a legitimate Super Bowl contender, at least, what do they need to add to get there? Yeah, I mean, where do they need to add on defense? It really doesn't matter. You can pick any spot and they can get better on that side (laughs) of the ball. Um, I think it's probably a defensive tackle, but it's interesting because they've invested some resources there in Tristan Hill in the 2019 draft, Neville Gallimore in the 2020 draft. Uh, Do you, you know, kind of wait and see if those guys develop or do you invest a first round pick or free agent dollars into that position? 
Uh, we shall see. They're going to need cornerbacks. Chidabe Wouzier is a free agent. Jordan Lewis is a free agent. Trevon Diggs has uh, actually played pretty well this season, but uh, he's coming off a, a broken foot in his, in his foot. So they need corners. Their linebackers are <laughs> absolutely atrocious, despite how much the Cowboys have spent and dra- paid uh, you know draft picks for those guys. So I think once mm-hmm. we get to this draft, Peter, I think it's just going to be whoever's the best defensive player on the board in round one, let's take them and let's continue that strategy throughout the entire draft. Yeah, and uh, look, they they have the offensive firepower with Dak especially to turn this around in a hurry. So maybe they have, you know, a, a New Orleans Saints kind of draft from a couple of years ago, and then they're right back in the mix. Marcus, this was awesome, man. Thanks. Yeah, absolutely. All right, Luke Braun and Ross Jackson will be back tomorrow to talk about Steelers Bengals and push forward to our week 16 slate. The regular season rapidly coming to a close. Of course, I will be back next Monday to take you through the week 16 slate. Some great games coming up here and the playoff jockeying will continue. Of course, follow me on Twitter, Peter underscore Bukowski. Follow the podcast network on Twitter at Locked On. NFL pods you can catch me on the locked on Packers podcast every day follow that at locked on Packers and until next week stay locked on NFL